Welcome to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. On this episode, you'll hear dance writer Cheryl Osula interviewing company principal dancers Sophie-Anne Silve and Carlo Delano. This interview was recorded on March 31st, 2017, before a performance of the full-length ballet Swan Lake. Hope you enjoy. Hi, everyone. Welcome, and thank you for joining us at the War Memorial Opera House and this opening night performance of San Francisco Ballet's Swan Lake. I'm Cheryl Osula, a writer for San Francisco Ballet, and I am very happy to have the opportunity to chat with one of our Swan Lake couples tonight, uh, principal dancers Sofiane Silve and Carlo Delano. <laughs> So I'm going to uh, give a little introduction of my guests before we get started with our chat. It's always kind of embarrassing for them, but they'll, they'll just deal with it. So Sofiane Silve uh, joined the company as a principal dancer in 2008 after dancing with the company as a guest artist for a year. She uh, trained in her native Nice, France, and uh, danced with several companies, before coming to San Francisco Ballet, most notably Dutch National Ballet and New York City Ballet. Um, she has danced an extremely broad repertory, including many of the classics, and things that range from uh, the lyrical work of Alexei Rutmansky's Seven Sonatas to more contemporary works like uh, William Forsythe's Pop Parts 2016 and Liam Scarlett's um, Fearful Symmetries. She was awarded with a, uh, an Is- Isadora Duncan Award for her performance in George Balanchine's Symphony in C in 2011. And she has uh, been a, a principal guest teacher at San Francisco Ballet School for almost a decade. So Carlo Delano trained at La Scala Ballet, and he danced with La Scala and the State Ballet of Berlin before joining San Francisco Ballet as a soloist in 2014. As you all know, that didn't last long. He was promoted to principal dancer uh, two years later. Um, His repertory is also extremely varied, like Sofiane's. However, his includes plenty of princes, and this season, you might have seen him in everything from Yerji Bubanichek's Fragile Vessels to uh, George Balanchine's Diamonds. He um, has won several awards, and most recently, uh, the um, Best Male Dancer Award at the International Competition for the Eric Brun Prize in 2015. So... It's very weird being down low here. Usually we have chairs to sit on. I feel short tonight. But they're taller, so we're good. So both of you um, have rather long histories, actually, with Swan Lake. Um, Sofiane, you've danced in three other productions besides ours. I think Derek Dean's and um, Peter Martin's. And who's the other one? Uh, yeah, Rudy actually, Van Danzig. Yeah, I think four yeah. live versions. So. And Carlo, you danced uh, Swan Lake um, when you were 20, yeah. right? The Nerea version. So uh, could, 
could you just talk a little bit about your histories with this ballet and, and some of your experiences? So it was actually my first principal role that I ever performed in La Scala, and um, I, I, I always like to go back to Swan Lake, and I, I find that um, it's a different prince from the usual prince that we, we have in the rap, like Sleeping Beauty or Cinderella, because it's not the usual prince, just pretty and good-looking, just you know, being a prince. There's something more about it, in my opinion, or at least, you know, I, I like to believe that there's something more. Um, I think that this prince is, um, is troubled in a way that he doesn't want to be a prince, he doesn't like to be a prince, he would like to be a normal person, he would like to be a normal guy, and he has a hard time dealing with responsibilities and the fact he has to get married, therefore, he decides to... To make it to make his life more complicated by falling in love with a bird, that you know, it's it's not really easy. It's not really easy to relate to a guy that you know. What's wrong with the dude? You know, it's like why would you fall in love with a bird? But that's why I'm trying to to find a way to relate to the prince, and I think this is the way I try to relate to it. But it's always very interesting to go back to it, depending on which version. There's always something interesting about the prince as well, like I find. And as for the lady role, um, regardless of the production, unless you go for the all-male version, um, I guess revisiting uh, Swan Lake is always like, um, like a check also how you are as a dancer. It's such a hard ballet for everybody. Um, and like Carla was saying, to give that um, illusion of being a bird is actually really hard. And obviously the connection that you have to have with your partner regarding you know, the story, whether it finishes well or not, and in our case it doesn't, um, you always have a really, really huge amount of work to do. So um, looking back in my Swan Lake history, um, you also get a lot of um, energy from the corps de ballet. Uh, I mean, those girls are like rocking Swan Lake. I mean, if, if they were not there, it wouldn't be the same thing for me. So, and speaking of different versions, we, um, we did a version from Derek Deans in, in England, which had like 64 swans. Because it's a huge, it's like a round stage, and so there is no f real front. Everything is the front. And actually, Martin West, who is conducting tonight, was conducting. So it was a very interesting production to try to get this sort of all-around stage to get going. So revisiting Swan Lake is always very special for any dancer, I think. If you're just coming in, I'm chatting with principal dancers Sofiane Silve and Carlo Delano. So one of the, <laughs> I missed something there, that's okay. So one of the things that you kind of touched on, um, you know, this, this is an iconic ballet. It's, it's one of those ballets that pretty much you know, people hold up there as something that they definitely want to do in their in their dance career. Um, and it's challenging technically. Certainly you've got stuff like the Black Swans, you know, 32 fuetes. But it yeah, seems... you have the whole, you know, the whole shenanigans of ballet technique. But I think what's the most difficult is to be able to be that vulnerable white and then switch that mode to become that black uh, ordeal. And... That's, it takes, it takes some, as we call it, chops. You know, it's not just an easy thing to just, you can go out there. You really have to 
work it. And obviously the, the training, the technique is what we do every day, but uh, it's a big chunk of a ballet. And I think for the men too, he has even more to dance. Yeah, I, I stylistically there's a difference, but what I was going to um, ask you to touch on a little bit is, you know, the technique is is all well and good, but it's the artistry that makes this ballet phenomenal. And and what what is it in your mind that that makes it unique? What I love about Swan Lake is obviously the two different roles. You have versions where you only get to do one or the other, and I think that the most fun of it is because you can be those two different characters. Obviously, when you have the technique down and you can push it to you know, that vulnerable side of yours, meaning you have to trust your partner so much to be able to, you know, fall in his arms or he lets you fall. It takes a, a, all of trust, and that takes time. Um, and I think for, for me as the black swan, I think it's um, maybe you get a side of you out there that you would never be in normal life. And I think it's kind of like you, you know, you purge yourself. It's like, I'm just getting that out. So, I, you know, it's very personal, but I, I take it as like, okay, I get that out of my system because I have this challenge to go through on, on third act. We should all get to be black swans sometime. It's awesome. So, Carlo, add, add what you'd like, but I, I would like to follow up on what you were talking about with just the character of Siegfried. I, you know, I think... Like you say, there's a lot going on with him. Whenever you've got a young man in love, there's always a lot of material to work with. So. Well, yeah. <laughs> and I also find that, you know, every time I try to interpret a role, I always try to find something that in the character that I'm portraying that I can relate to because, and that, that is similar to my own side. And that's why I don't like to think of the Prince of Swan Lake like every other prince, just because... I need to relate to him and I need to, to enjoy portraying that character. So, but I, what I think that is very iconic about Swan Lake and why I think is really, it's always a sellout because people love to watch Swan Lake is because it's a great love story. And beside the whole technical aspects, I think what's great about Swan Lake is that you have this great, you should have this great chemistry with your partner on stage in the wide act and in the fourth act and then, you know, this switch into the third act. But it's, it's a real love story. If you don't have love, it doesn't matter how many footage you do, I think, personally. So of the, the two versions you've done, you don't need to approach the character too differently between those two? Well, I, my previous version from Nureyev, it's, it's a marathon for the prince. Like, literally, it's crazy. Like, the guy has four or five variations, like in every Nureyev ballet. Um, like right after White Swan padded, the guy just starts dancing out of nothing. And it's like, yeah, anyway. Um, have to find your motivation there, huh? Well, yeah. <laughs> it's the last thing you want to do after the padded is dance right away. Anyway, um, in that version in particular, there's a whole psychological game between uh, Rothbard and Siegfried. So Rothbard in the first act, it's actually Wolfgang, the, the Tudor. Is, is the same character. So there's like this double figure and there's kind of like, I don't want to say a love story, but there's some kind of feelings for the Tudor. So there's this strong betrayal for Siegfried from Wolfgang that is eventually Rothbard. So there's like this whole homosexual side of the prince, apparently, from what I've gathered from people that have done work with him and danced with him the role. So... 
that's probably where I got the idea of the prince being different from the other prince and troubled and not wanting to be where he is and what he is, wanting to be something different. And I tried to bring it in other versions because I think that it's true. I think that's what it is, really. Well, that is quite different. Well, yeah. <laughs> if, if you're just coming in, I'm chatting with principal dancers Sofiane Silva and Carlo Delano. Um, Sofiane, I want to I wanna jump way back in time. When you were like 14, 15 years old, you were dancing with the state ballet. Yeah, of that was a different century. Yeah. Carl Ruh <laughs> in Germany. <laughs> and and um, a former New York City ballet dancer, Patricia Neary, came yes. to set an evening of Balanchine works, and she basically glommed onto you and like had you dance principal roles. Um, and she described you, she described your dancing as she said, there is real non-fear in her dancing. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered, what, what's your take on that? Well, I, I mean, Pat is this wonderful Balanchine um, trust lady, but she's basically the woman that basically, you know, showed me the way. And so she arrived in Germany. I mean, this really like armpit in the world uh, company, but I'm 14, you know, so I'm dancing like 180 shows a year. Uh, I'm homeschooled. So my life is really weird. And so she, um, she comes in and we did, I believe, Four Temperaments, Allegro Brilliant, and uh, maybe Rubies, I forget. And of course I was doing three ballets every night because I could do that stuff. So, and, you know, she would talk to Balanchine and she would rehearse you to death and she could still do the stuff. I mean, the woman was on point showing you the step. Um, you know, bless her heart, she can do it. Um, and she basically said, you know, I think you should, you should look into that rep and you should go into a really big company. I mean, you should be dancing everything because you have that fearless. And I think for me, going on stage is a little bit of that freedom package where... I work really hard. I'm going to not sleep over a ballet. I have to dance. But eventually, once the curtain goes up, is that moment where I don't know what's going to happen, but I trust that I'm going to give you my 100% for sure. And the rest's up to the arts or the angels or whatever you want to call it. So I kind of leave it to a different dimension. And so I've always kind of had that. And for me, Mr. Balanchine's work was always very natural. Like I kind of got the swing or the jazzy of it. So eventually when I was asked to join New York City Ballet, I was like, okay, yeah, that's a no-brainer. I think I'll enjoy this. Yeah, and you, you've danced a huge amount of the Balanchine rep in this company as well. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I think once you cover, you know, most of the rep that companies do, it's, it's, it's like going back to Swan Lake. You just go back to those um, Balanchine work, which the only thing that I, I didn't get to do was Prodigal, which we did this year. So that was very special to finally get to do it. Um, but pretty much everything else, yeah, it's been performed somewhere sometime. So, Carlo, I was, I was reading an, an interview um, with you that was in the Huffington Post a few years ago, and, and in that you said that, um, that, you know, when you started dancing, you know, you really were into the story, ballets, the classics, um, and now that you've been here for a while, you've really developed a taste for the more contemporary works, that, and, of course, you know, there's always that unique experience of having a ballet set on you. So what, what do you think perhaps has taken you by surprise as, as you've learned this sort of new dimension of yourself as a dancer? Anything in particular? Well, I think that in Italy we were not really exposed to new choreographers and new choreographies. Most of the rap 
uh, in La Scala, for instance, is full lengths like Swan Lake, Don Q, or yeah, Jewels, for instance. But we didn't really had many collaborations with choreographers coming into the studio, and it's something that I started that you know my first experience was here with Foresight. So um, I think that it's great to have the possibility to work with somebody alive that is making something for you and making you look at the best you can. So that's why I think it's, it's great. But on the other hand, I still think that revisiting the classics is still a great opportunity. But it's a different approach. So I personally like better to work with a choreographer than doing a swan leg. Yeah. <laughs> except for tomorrow and Tuesday. Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And can I just say something? Um, because we were talking about uh, Bill, and he likes to call himself Grandpa Bill, but um, it's also because Bill is the way he is with dancers that he makes that experience very special. It will, like Carlos said, make you look better than you could ever even imagine. And that's a real treat as a dancer because, you know, we tend to be so much facing that mirror and criticizing the image all the time that it's quite wonderful to have somebody who walks in and goes, you know, you're the expert, you know what you're doing. Like there's the full confidence and, I mean, talk about somebody who's achieved so much in his life. Um, so I think that's also because it's Bill. It's not just only the fact of being a new piece. Just to clarify, she's talking about William Forsyth in case that uh, wasn't clear. If you're just coming in, I'm chatting with principal dancers Sofiane Silve and Carlo Delano. So both of you, um, you, know, you both started dancing principal roles quite young. Um, you were a teenager, Sofiane, and Carlo, yes. you were barely not a teenager. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, that sounds wonderful, but that's also a huge amount of responsibility. Is, it, is there a downside to having your career launch that quickly? Um, I think what's great about starting when you're young is the sense of an awareness of what you're doing, just enjoying what you're doing and and dancing, really. With time, I find... I mean, it's not, I don't want to say that I'm getting old, but with time, I find that I'm being very aware of what I'm doing. Therefore, I get much more nervous than what I used to be before. So I think it's good to start at a young age because you break the ice when you're a bit irresponsible about what you're doing. It's not easy to go out there in front of 2,000 people and, and dance something. I mean, there's something twisted about that. I find. <laughs> so I think if you can break the ice as soon as possible, if there's talent and something, the sooner you start, the better it is. Back when you're that fearless teenager. Yeah. 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 And I would add that I would agree there's a, a sense of ignorance is bliss completely when you're young and you think you know everything. That's like the oxymoron of the whole thing. Uh, but I do think that when you start really young, whenever you have a role which is, you know, playing somebody or a character, it does change over the years. And obviously your life outside of the theater will also nurture that. And you'll have days where it's like, oh my God, I'm, I'm so happy. I'm loving what I'm doing. And you have days where tough is, you know, life it can be really tough and you still go in and approach your work because that's what you do. You're a dancer and you're going to go out there and dance. Whether you've had a good day, a bad day, whether your 
parents are alive or not. So it does, it does take a little bit of a different color as you grow older, for sure. So one of, one of the things you both have addressed in previous interviews, um, and these may be ancient history and you may not even recall this, but you, you both talked about just kind of the, the value or the role of education. Um, Sofiane, you were talking about how, you know, audiences need to be educated that ballet is not inaccessible the way so many people think it is. And Carlo, you were talking about um, ballet as an art form being a form of education and that we need to do works like Bill Forsythe's stuff to kind of push audiences to new understandings of what ballet can do. So um, I wondered if each of you could just talk a little bit more fully about your thoughts on, on education and what ballet is today. Should I start? It's mine. I, I get that ticket. Well, I do think that any arts... Uh, of any form has to have uh, a part of education because obviously we both come from a different country where we have a whole array of history and exposure that you will not necessarily find in this country. And therefore, since we can be so global today with technology, I just think that the more you see, the better understanding you can get. And having access is primary in my idea. So the fact that you can have a company that will touch all range of work. Um, I look at it as a teacher because I do teach for the school and we're trying to also build a student that will be able to have that frame of mind of being in a studio and open-minded with a choreographer. Uh, that has to be incorporated in your uh, training instead of going, no, no, I just do the classics and that's all I do. You've got to be able to have a full circle of uh, capabilities and understanding. Thank you. Carlo, you want to add anything? Or? No. No, okay. <laughs> okay. Um, I'm going to open this up to questions from you, so please raise your hand. One question per person, and please keep it short. Yes. What is the trick with swan arms? Oh, it's a lot of, um, we call it uh, elbow oil. You know, when you like, you have to clean something for a long time. It's, it's, it takes a long time in front of Vamir to get that arm to do the elbow and do it while you're dying. So, <laughs> meaning you've done, you know, whatever. You've done a long pas de deux, you've done an entrance, you've done a solo your lungs are literally on the floor, so you roll your tongue back in and you still have to roll those arms and you're like, it feels like you have 20 ton. But that's, it's just a matter of doing it. And basically, I remember my first one leg, the very first time, I, I think I was, I don't know, maybe 17. I remember being on my knees for hours in front of the mirror just trying to get that motion and then make it for, for my design and make it look like it was in the water. So that's, that's the trick, elbow oil. <laughs> yes. What is the most emotionally impactful moment of Swan Lake for you? Probably that fourth act when um, you've gone through all that. And it's really interesting because you can be rehearsing fourth act. You can be rehearsing the death of Juliet. You can be rehearsing Giselle's death for a long time. You'll never get to that level 
until you perform it. Because it doesn't make sense. Like you kind of need to get to a, a degree of emotions where it cannot be done in a studio because yeah, the pianist, you're laughing, you're laughing at yourself. I do that a lot. It keeps me sane. But um, I think fourth act is probably the most special emotion level wise. And I can't get there unless I do the whole thing. So it's almost like you have this addictive thing where it's like, I want to feel that, but I have to do all this before. Like, it's not, there's no um, free lunch, right? It's like, I can't just get there. I just have to go through that whole racing, basically. What about you? Yeah, I, I think fourth act Padre is the best moment. Yeah, definitely. Also because you, you've get, you, you got that far already. So <laughs> you can see the light at the end of the tunnel. <laughs> <laughs> and your arms are hurting for a different reason. Why, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyone else? Yes. Do you foresee yourself going back to your home countries in the future? Do Go. you foresee yourselves going back to your home countries in the future? Uh, absolutely no idea. I mean, I'm loving America, despite everything. <laughs> um, yeah. But uh, Europe is going through a huge turmoil. I mean, we just signed Article 50 for Brexit, so we may have a Frexit. Don't know. So, yeah, so far, as long as I get to do my art and I can teach and I can do what I do, which is dance, uh, I'll be there. So it could, could be anywhere, but so far it's been in America mostly. So, and I feel fairly American, weirdly enough. Uh, no, I, I think Italy is great, but two weeks is probably enough. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I like the way everything works here, and I'm happy being here. Yeah. Yes. What advice do you have for young dancers? What advice do you have for young dancers who might want to dance professionally? Um. The one thing I always want to make sure of is that they really want to do it. That it's not mommy's dream, papa's dream, grandma's dream, but it's your dream. Because it's really hard. And there's a lot of other things you can do in life besides being a dancer. So, uh, yeah, you do want to make sure that it's really what that person wants to do. That would be my advice always. Yeah, I, I think they need to be driven by a very strong passion because it's very hard on a physical level and also psychological level, I find. So if you don't have that passion, you're not going to make it, I find. So. Anyone else? Yes. I, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear favorite, you. Favorite Odette and Odile's. Oh, you mean other dancers? Ah. Uh, yeah, uh, I've been looking at a lot of Paris opera dancers, uh, like Manuel Legri. Uh, also, of course, Roberto Bolle and Massimo Moro. I mean, you know, I, I was in school and they were doing Swan Lake in the company, so of course I would look at them. But I think mostly I really like the way Paris opera ballet dancers interpret the role. So I've, I've been looking at a lot of Paris opera dancers, yeah. And I would, I would add to that that, uh, yeah, I did look at a lot of the Russian ballerinas when I was dancing Swan Life for the first time. Um, but I did work with Noëlla Pontois from Paris Opera um, for my first Swan Life. And I, I guess once you have that signature, it's kind of, you kind of get attached 
also to that vision and the way they do it. So that would be my people. I think we have time for one more if it's kind of brief. I'm going to go way back here. Yeah, you. <laughs> I'm sorry, we can't hear you. Can you speak up? Advice for young dancers or young composers? Oh, I think collaboration is wonderful. I think we should have more of that. So anybody that would want to collaborate, please show up. There actually have been, like, the, the school has done a collaboration with the trainees and students yes. at a local music school, um, and it was really phenomenal. So that kind of thing does happen now and then, but, yeah, definitely more of it. For sure. So we are out of time. Um, I want to uh, remind all of you that we can be found everywhere on social media, so please do follow us, tweet us, whatever us. And um, thank you so much for being here. Sofiane and Carlo, thank you very, thank you. very much. Thank you. Thanks for listening to San Francisco Ballet's Meet the Artist podcast. For more podcasts, educational programming, or other information, please check out sfballet.org.